If you want to transform your parish, you will need to respond to the individual in front of you and lead them intentionally in the direction that they should go. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host, John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we are continuing our deep dive into a five-part series on reasons why change isn't happening in your parish, and we'll guide you through some steps to have the conversations that leverage the vision of the parish forward. John. Ty, it's good to be with you. I I don't know if you saw my eyes got like as big ex, as saucers for a second there, uh, but my <laughs> I forgot to mute one of the tracks as we're recording, and so I had the bumper intro way just like blare into my ears for a second there. Uh, but I'm back. I'm back now. <laughs> it is right and just. I went through. A, I went to a different dimension for a second there. <laughs> no, it's all good. How, how are you feeling about you know this? the reasons to change. I feel like when I read a, an article or watch a YouTube video where it's like, here are the reasons why it isn't working for you. It's like telling me like, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Do you think we need to rebrand this section here? Like right I, in the middle of it? I don't know. It's, it's catchy. It, it, it's an attention it's grabber. Yeah. I did it on purpose that way. I mean, I, I wanted it to be like, here's five real reasons why it might not be happening for you. Not that you're doing anything wrong, but you might be here are five you know, reasons or, or that could you're you do wrong. things yeah could you do things differently you know <laughs> I, i'm trying to learn we're trying to we're, we are doing a new thing and uh by trying to do these series is if any of you listeners if you have a better way that we could have uh potentially branded this series on change and um it not happening if you could come up with a better line that'd be great we'd love to have you there's a line out of shrek the musical Donkey is talking to Shrek, and he asks him very pointedly, what is wrong with you? <laughs> That's what I feel coming across as I read our headings or our titles to our, our shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like in spirit, spiritual direction, right? It's, it's not condemnation. It's uh, oh, what, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Not condemnation, but it's uh, kind of checking yourself. And saying, like, could I be doing something differently? It's, mm. a, it's that self-reflection and, and checking yourself to see, like, hey, could I be going forward in a better way? That, that's what the goal is here. Not condemnation, but conversion. Amen? Amen. You got a story for us? <laughs> I do have a story for you guys. So today, as we said, we're, we're talking about how we're going to guide through some steps to have the conversations that leverage the, the vision of the parish forward. And I want to just share just real briefly about one of the biggest um, overall changes that I tried to implement at a parish. And it was one of the biggest ones because it involved just an overhaul of our entire ministry and the way we were offering our ministries. And and the reason it, I went big was because it was on the other side of COVID. So everything shut down for a number of months for like a half a year at our parish. We were one of those parishes that didn't like fully shut down for a year or anything like that. But we had a, about a half a year where for me it was like, oh, I've got like, I've got a half a year where I have nothing going on. I'm really going to look at what I want to do in this coming year or when things open back up and how that should be designed. I've got all kinds of time to have those conversations, to create 
communications, emails, videos that will lead people into that, guide people into that, have those conversations with the adults. And what I changed was, like I said, everything. I, I rearranged the grade level groupings for our parish. We stepped away from traditional religious ed and implemented more of a large group family formation style. Um, we required parents to participate in our ministry. Like if your kid's in the program, guess what? You're in the program too. And then we also needed to implement a whole new team of leaders to put in what we did, the edge ministry, which I think is that, I think that's Chris Stefanik. Where's Mark Hart? I'm going to forget, but the edge ministry for, for youth ministry. So we need a whole new team of leaders to kind of make that happen and get off the ground. So it had a lot of moving parts. And what I'm, what we're going to dive into, it's not so much just one story, but a series of stories that we will um, kind of break out as we go through these changes. Because as soon as as soon as I wanted to implement this, as soon as I started that ball rolling, I, I could immediately think of like 10 to 12 people that I needed to talk to if and have like key conversations with, crucial conversations with in order to make this work. And so can you imagine, I can't even imagine what would have happened if I would have just said to any one of these people like, I'm not even going to talk to you. We're just going to do it and we'll see what happens on the other end. Like we're talking about having those conversations that you that are essential to moving the mission forward, that are essential to moving that vision forward. That's what we're going to talk about today and break open. And we'll talk about a handful of those as we go through this. How does that sound, Ty? Sounds perfect. Awesome. So if you guys have been following along the last couple of weeks, we talked about um, two of the big reasons why change might not be happening in your parish. The first one being a lack of prayer. Your ministry may not be centered on Jesus, and it absolutely needs to be. That's the first the first reason why things might not be changing. The second one, a lack of vision. We haven't truly discerned from the heart of God what he is calling us to do and found a way to put that into an actionable vision that we can move forward. And so today, trailing from that, once you've got that that vision from the Lord, once you've got that direction that you are heading, you know where you're going and why, you need to have the important conversations around that in order to move it forward because those those crucial conversations can really be anything, but they are conversations that will support that vision and its implementation, right? If you want to do something, the first step is always going to be that you need to talk about it. You need to share it. You need to tell people. And a big part of that is these crucial conversations. So uh, what, what do we do when we want to have a crucial conversation? We feel one coming up. You've got your list of, you know, three to 10 to 12 people that you really need to talk to. There's really just three things because this change can seem overwhelming, overwhelming, but we're going to break it down. I mean, there's three really practical buckets here for any one of those conversations. Uh, and, and the first thing you want to do to keep it from getting overwhelming is just make a list of those people. Simply make a list of the people that as soon as you're thinking about this change, they're probably already on your mind. You got to make a list of them and uh, and they're probably going to fall into three categories. You can really simplify it, right? You've got you've got people that you know aren't going to like it. All right. So for me, one of one of the people that I knew wasn't going to like the changes I made above was our liturgist. Right. She she's she did a great job. She worked hard. But my changing the grade level groupings it was going to throw off her entire plan for how she structured her children's choirs that she practiced with. And so I knew when I changed this thing, when I did, I, I knew it was going to throw off her her plan. So I knew she was one of the first people and she she wasn't immediately going to like that. She, <laughs> that was going to be the outcome. Now, 
Uh, you also have people that are on the other end of the spectrum. They're going to love it. Regrouping the grades, it actually simplified our schedule. We were, instead of having three separate events on a, on a Wednesday night, we had two. That simplified our schedule. It allowed parents who had kids that were running to and from maybe school practices, home to lunch for 30 or for supper for 30 minutes, and then back to church for another one. And then they still had to switch to the upper class and bring different kids for the second session. It simplified all of that for them. So they had a much more streamlined experience on Wednesday night. They loved it. it that, that element of it wasn't a hard sell for our parents, right? And then there's another third group that falls under this. These are people who just need to be called deeper, right? These are your people, for example, I knew I needed to implement a ministry team. I had a handful of people that off the bat, I was like, these people, they're on fire. They want to serve. They have the specific skills that fit these leadership positions. So I need to take some time to, to really call them into that. But that's not always just leadership positions. They're really practical stuff too. I wanted to implement a team of people that were going to do set up and tear down for me, right? So having those conversations with people, set up crews, tear down, if you need someone to be an MC, things like that. So those are your three types of people that you're probably going to run into a need to have crucial conversations with. Those that are going to hate it, those that are going to love it, and those that just need to be called deeper. So make a list of those people. And when you make that list, you'll see, oh, it's not like this isn't some unending list. It's a, it's a list of people to kind of check off the boxes that I've talked to them. They're on board. They're not. We need to find someone else to fill this gap. It becomes a very practical list to check off instead of this daunting, seemingly huge task that's in front of you. So that's number one. Make that list. Number two. You got to pray. You got to intercede for those people. And, and this is really important. Yeah, I grew, I grew up on a farm and the idea of cultivating soil is so important because it prepares the soil even before you go to plant it for the next year to plant the seeds. So cultivating the soil of their souls before you even approach them for this request, for this conversation, right? Bringing them by name before the Lord saying, Lord, I need you to look out. I need to place Ethel before your throne because I know she's not going to like some of these changes. I, you know, I know that we we disagree on this, this, and this, and this. Lord, please just soften our hearts. Help us to approach each other so we can have a really fruitful conversation that helps us to arrive at a point where we can move forward with this vision, with this mission as co-workers in the vineyard of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So that's that's number two intercede for that list of people, and that's really important. And then the third one, and this is going to be kind of the bulk of what we'll talk about, is prepping for those crucial conversations. And, and they can be all up and down the board, right? You've got people that like it, you've got people that hate it, you got people that need to be called deeper. I mean, it can be any sort of, of things. But I actually want to bring up a crucial conversation that I had with my pastor. I know I've talked about it before, but I want to unpack it a little differently um, in this episode today. And I've spoken in the past how this pastor, I approached him because our meetings were really, they were bad. They, were, they weren't fruitful. Um, none of what we talked about regularly had anything to do with anyone outside of the, the pastor and preparing for Sunday, which as a formation director, I didn't have a huge role as far as preparing for the Sunday liturgies, the weekend liturgies. And so most of the meeting was, wasn't useful, but almost always they also devolved into gossip about parishioners and it just drove me nuts. And so I approached him and I, you know, I basically just 
came in and said, hey, our meetings are bad. I thought I did a good job preparing, but but really, he, he just, like, I could just see walls go up immediately when I approached him. Everything I said, he, he didn't, like, shut anything down, but it was clear it wasn't going anywhere. You know, at, at the end of the day, I, I feel like I brought solutions he wasn't prepared for. Um, and I just, I never, I never really thought about how to approach him in a way and how to truly prepare for it in a way that would that would have guided him to where I needed him to be in order to to kind of try something new to have better meetings. And uh, I heard a little while ago, I heard a story about a salesman, right? So there's the, the lead salesman and he, he's meeting one of the guys under him and he wants to talk to him because the salesman's numbers are low for the quarter. And so he's trying to talk to him, trying to get him, you know, figure out what's going on here. Um, but the salesman essentially says, um, you know what, I, I don't know what to tell you. The people aren't buying you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And so the director that's over this salesman, he says, it's not your job to make him drink. It's your job to make him thirsty. Ooh. And I, I just, I love that, that nuance there about when you are preparing for these crucial conversations, consider what is it that will make them thirsty for um, this new thing that God is inviting us into, this new direction. How can we cultivate that desire within them through our conversations? And, and I don't honestly, like as I've looked back at that, I, I don't know what that would have looked like because this, this particular pastor, um, he'd been doing things for a long time. I'm sure this is how he always did meetings. Um, he, was, he was in 40 some odd years of, of priesthood. And he was only like a year or two away from retirement. So the idea of trying to get him to completely revamp things, I, I, it just for me, I'm like, I've thought about that ever since. And since I've heard that story of the salesman, like, what would that have looked like to approach that conversation differently? And I don't have an immediate answer. And, and I've just been thinking about that. So I wanted to kind of throw that your way, Ty. What it would, what it would look like to prepare for a conversation like that to hopefully find the thing that would make him thirsty, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what you're talking about of making him thirsty or, or, you know, it's not your job to make him drink. It's your job to make him thirsty. Uh, in sales, you could also say it's, you know, don't sell the steaks, sell the sizzle. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of it, or, yeah. you know, we've talked about it. I forget which episode, uh, but when we talk about gap selling, it's really finding that pain point to where it is more painful for them not to do something than to do something. So it's, mm -hmm. it would, it would be of benefit for them to do something. Now to answer your question of how do you motivate somebody that is unmotivated because they, they see the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel, um, mm -hmm. you know, status quo is good enough. Um, when you mentioned the word cultivating, you know, it resonated with me because a lot of the times when we're cultivating and you're, you're a farm boy, uh, we grew up in a farm community so when we talk about cultivating the land, what is the word cultivating? Cultivating is preparing for use. Now, I don't want it to sound bad like we're going to use Father, right? We're cultivating Father to use him. But he also has to remember why he's in the position that he's in. So are we cultivating a good relationship with him to where he can trust that after he is gone, he can relay that message to the next pastor like hey john's got really good ideas you can utilize him and his skill set his staff um whatever that may be cultivating has 
I mean, whether you talk about selling popsicles to an Eskimo or selling water to a horse, you got to have a good relationship, right? If you don't care about the other person, it's not going to go anywhere, really. And if you are good enough to sell them something, they're going to be so mad um, after the fact. They're going to get buyer's remorse, and they're just going to think negatively of you for selling something that they don't necessarily need or they didn't think that they needed. You know, it reminds me of a saying, you know, I don't care. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if you're talking about getting somebody to move that doesn't want to move, yeah, now, now you're in that realm of, you know, um, somebody called me this before uh, because it was true. I was a car salesman, but it was Sammy Slick car salesman. And it always it always gave me the heebie-jeebies because it's like, I'm not selling you something that you don't need, right? It's not like a a, mm-hmm. a mom of threes coming in to buy a van. And I'm like, yeah, but man, that Corvette sounds really nice. You know, like it's it's not useful. I'm, I'm there to help them make the best financial decision uh, as well as the best, you know, for utility's sake uh, to buy the best vehicle. So having that conversation with father is kind of almost like a, a an effect. What's the cause? Mm-hmm. The causes we are in line with what we actually want to do with winning souls for the Lord. Um, cultivating that relationship to where he knows that I'm actually trying to help and I've got a plan and you can trust me. Because so much of that, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's it's trust. Um, if the the priest doesn't know that you know what you're doing, generally they're just going to kick the can down the road. So, yeah. Well, and that, that makes a lot of sense because I, I mean, I wasn't, I I don't think I was even six months into the job when I brought this up to him. I just was fed up. <laughs> it was So I, like you say, I, I don't think I front loaded that relationship very well uh, to be able to dive into a conversation that probably struck that personally to him in in the way that I approached it and it's just the subject matter of it like you're not leading well you know is essentially the message he probably got um and so I yeah I don't think I prepared for that as well as I could have yeah and it goes back to that saying that I I just mentioned nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care so at the heart of ministry is just caring like how much do you care about the other person to have that conversation with them about insert whatever it is. It's like, hey, you're you're not living out your vocation or you're not doing um, justice to your staff by having bad meetings. And I think the very next thing that we're going to talk about leading that conversation, the CPR content pattern and how it's affecting your relationship, if you bring that like, okay, Father, the last eight meetings or four meetings that we've had, um, we've talked about this, 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 and this, which has nothing to do with my area of ministry. So can we either make better time or use of time, or can I be excused from those meetings? And that's not a solution I would have even thought of is maybe I don't need to be here for this because that still would have been a, that would have been a win for me <laughs> if I didn't have to be at that meeting. So yeah, I, I love that idea that that CPR and that's, that's kind of the tool I'd, we really want to leave our our uh, our listeners with, our Catholic ministry professionals, is that that idea of CPR, like you just ran through. 
content, you know, the very practical, like no room for ambiguity, like leading into this conversation. This is what we're going to talk about. Um, that pattern, like you said, keeping it focused on actions and not the person, which is probably a big part of where I went wrong. Um, it takes a little of the personal sting off of that. And then that relationship kind of this, this is maybe where the relationship is headed or where it needs to go from here in order to resolve this situation. Yeah. In apologetics or debating in apologetics, the term is ad hominem is attacking Mm. the man. Um, never goes well. (laughs) People just get, they get their, their hackles up and I'm, you know what? We experience it in all of our relationships. If you're married, you've experienced this, Mm. (laughs) you know, this is one of those just classic, um, classic conversational techniques that people can utilize to approach confrontational situations in a way that's ordered towards and um, geared towards success of the conversation. Um, the other tool I'd like to bring out is it's called verbal judo. And this is one that um, it's, that's a real thing. You can look it up. We don't own any of the rights to it. Um, it's something I learned back in college, but I just, it, it's really essentially finding these kind of these are your one-off moments where somebody might come up to you out of the blue and you need to steer this situation in a better direction and you need kind of your your one-liner, your one thing that's going to lead that person to the desired behavior. That's what verbal judo really is. It's any, any situation that is confrontational, kind of having some go-to phrases, the ability to then bring about that desired outcome from the conversation. So I'm thinking of like, Somebody walks up to you right before mass or right before you're about to start your your event that's going to be, you've got 300 people waiting for you to start. You've got two minutes and, and it's supposed to start and somebody wants to have a 10-minute conversation with you. Those are the kind of moments where you want to be able to then have some ways to respond that help them to know that now is the right, not the right time to talk and they can find a better venue for it. And so the, this first technique is to listen, then mirror then invite the desired action. So listen, like honestly making eye contact, hearing what they want to talk about, and then mirroring that topic back to them. Oh, I, yeah, it sounds like you really want to talk about this or you have really strong opinions about the way that we are teaching our kids family formation. I really want to talk about that. Can you send me an email inviting that desired action? Send me an email this week and I'll follow up. I don't really have time to do that right now have this conversation now and it, it, it can put an end to it the beautiful thing that this does listen mirror invite the desired action it's going to filter like 85 to 90 percent of those situations for you most people one just want to be heard and two don't actually care enough to go through the means that they would need to to actually change something so they're just trying to be heard so you've heard them you've given them an opportunity like the ball is in their court you've let them know like this is fair game we can talk about it in your court follow up in this way though and it's going to filter a lot of those situations for you it's a great tactic it's a great technique to be able to um, simplify some of those crucial conversations in the moment without making someone feel like their feelings aren't valid or like they're an idiot (laughs) you know it's kind of a gentle way to i think put in place some proper boundaries hey i'm here with my family right now i'm not talking about this can you send me you know an email this week um, the second one is really to name the emotion. 
And this is this is one that I have used a lot because I've made some decisions that have, <laughs> and I've said some things that have ra- gotten people hot and bothered for various reasons. Um, so when I when you have someone come in and say, you know, I'm I'm really mad at you because the amount you're charging doesn't seem right to me. Um, let's talk about that. So you can just say, hey, name the emotion. Hey, it sounds like you're really angry. That wasn't my intent. When you say something like that, it first of all, when somebody calls out the emotion in you, you go, oh yeah, I am coming off really angry and that's not what I want to do either. I, I feel like a jerk now. I sound like a jerk. I don't want to do that. All right, so you name the emotion and then you say, that wasn't my intent. It reminds them that I'm not making these decisions to personally hurt your feelings. And as soon as they hear that, they go, well, yeah, duh. Of course, they're not attacking me personally. And so I can kind of lay that personal, because when somebody changes something and it affects you positively or negatively, it can feel like a very personal, um, a personal interaction when something, it's just a, a business decision. It's just a church decision. It's a policy decision. It's a process decision. It's not geared towards any one person. It kind of, again, it removes that sting and it makes them go, oh yeah, they're not trying to hurt me. And you kind of put yourself back on the same team with them so you can have a better conversation. So naming the emotion, that's a really powerful tactic. Um, the final one is just kind of having that point that this is this was my one-liner. It's drawing the line and then moving on. Just letting them know, like, I've heard you. Um, the facts are still the facts. We're still moving this direction. And we want you to come with us. But if you don't want to, we'll help you find somewhere else. And, and my go-to line was always in the... My go-to line, and this kind of really came about if you've got that circular thing where you've had the conversation and they circle around to their initial premise again, you're kind of at that point where you just need to say, look, you know what? I understand. Like, we are doing this this next year. We are transitioning these things. And we really want you to be a part of it for these reasons that we've mentioned before. Um, It will be better. It's going to transform lives. We're going to follow Jesus together. And it might not be perfect, but we really want you to be a part of it. But if you don't want that, I will put you in touch with a parish that is offering it. We've got one just five minutes down the road, and I will put you in touch with them. I'll help you get transitioned. And that lets them know that you're you're deadly serious about following the Lord and what he's calling you to. It lets them know that they are a part of it. They are invited into it. They belong there. But it also lets them know that you care about them enough to help them find something that will provide what they're looking for, if it's not with you. And that that's okay, and you can part ways as friends. But it kind of puts, again, that ball in their court to either get on board or move on. And and just that you're not going to keep beating this dead horse. You're not going to keep having this conversation around and around and around because it's too. this is too important to just stay stuck here. So it's worth some time to write down a one-liner, kind of practice that, and just have in mind, this is where we're going. We really want you to be a part of it, but if you don't want to be a part of it, we know this parish offers that, and I'll, I'll get you in touch with them. We'll get you transitioned. Powerful stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I really invite you to uh, kind of look into those. You know, spend some time. We, we threw a lot of information. That was some meaty information. So take some time, maybe go back and listen to that again, because there's, there's really powerful tools to help you to have these crucial conversations in a way that can really gear you towards success and leveraging the vision forward. Yeah, and really, we go more in-depth in previous episodes of The Crucial Conversations and Verbal Judo. So those are great tools to have. And if you 
aren't familiar with it, or if this is your first time listening to Catholic Ministry Professionals, go back to those episodes. We'll, we'll uh, put it in the show notes. Um, but go and listen to it because it's useful. If you're tired of having um, just really crappy conversations and you dread having those conversations over and over and over again, this will give you the tools to be able to um, almost disable the other side. Right now you're going to have a good conversation that will lead to results, um, good or bad, meaning you either wanted it to go that way or you didn't, but you're not going to have that same conversation again. Absolutely. And with that, let's move on to the devil's advocate. (laughs) Dun dun. John, it just feels... I'm being encouraged to to manipulate people. It just feels like I'm being a car salesman. It's just slimy. I don't feel good about it. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't... That's not me. What say you? <laughs> I Yeah, I think that it's normal for that to hit people and for them to feel that way. But I, I want to just give you... Like, take a deep breath. Like, it's okay. Um, crucial conversations, they're they're not manipulative just because they're intentional. Mm. They're not manipulative just because they're intentional. And in fact, they're less manipulative because they are intentionally geared towards the salvation of souls and the kingdom of God, right? You, you can't build any relationship with another person without being intentional in your words and actions. And this is, this, honestly, this is a, often a revelation for parents at some point you know, when you've got younger children, eventually you realize that your children aren't all the same, right? The the disciplinary activities, the disciplinary tactics that motivate my daughter, my son laughs at. Like, he just couldn't give a rip. They don't affect him, right? And and on the flip side, the things that motivate my son, like the, the disciplinary tactic, so that would motivate my son, would make my, my daughter wilt like a flower. Right. And and one of them, like my daughter, verbal praise, she's going to blossom. Right. My son, if it's not candy, he don't care. Right. So, you know, to actually see the other person, to know them and and to prepare to engage with them um, as an individual, like in a loving, like a kind approach to any person in your sphere of influence, like that's a very loving thing to do to really think about them and how you can approach them in a way that will help you guys to move towards this thing that God is calling you to do. And additionally, I would say, you know, different types of relationships, they're just going to require different tools in order to build them, right? If you want to date someone, you're going to approach them differently than someone that you want to build a business partnership with. You know, when Jesus sends out his disciples, he charges them, you know, be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. Right? You're going out against these people and you need to be prepared for who they are and you need to be prepared to deal with them wise as serpents, but innocent as doves, using your heart you know, that to keep that love as the foundation of that approach. So if you're going to disciple someone, if you're going to try and work on a team with someone ordered towards a goal, you need to see them, you need to hear them, you need to know them and respond to them as an individual in order to invite them personally into a relationship with God. If you want to transform your parish, you will need to respond to the individual in front of you and lead them intentionally 
in the direction that they should go. Period. Yeah, I had I had one instance and we're running short on time here, but I had one instance that I dealt with a one of my salespeople. And he knew all the trainings. He knew the crucial conversations. He knew knew the 4D principles. He knew all of those things, but he just was not motivated to do his job. And one line that he had used on us, uh, because I had to pull in HR, his line to us was, don't HR me. Don't, meaning, don't use all these tactics, right? The, The crucial conversations, just talk to me. Well, I almost said his name or her name. We don't know. Nobody will know for sure. But it was almost like they didn't want resolution. All they wanted to do was sit and sulk and stomp their feet and just throw ash over their themselves and, you know, just make a show of it. At some point, you, you got to be able to say, like, your one-liner. Um, it's, you know, hey, it's not working here. I can help you find a parish that will help you um, get what you want out of it, but it ain't going to happen here. Amen. Amen. Intentional <laughs> conversations, intentional conversations though. It, it, and it, it honors them to look at who they are, what they desire and to respond in kind with the truth. And that's it. Mm. So we never want to leave you without some actionable steps, things that you can begin to do today to move this mission forward, to move Jesus's mission forward. And we're going to do exactly those three steps from above. Make your list. If you've been considering a change, if you've been following along with us, you've got your vision in place, make a list of those people, the ones who love it, the ones who are going to hate it, and those who need to be called deeper into the mystery of God's love for them in leadership. Make a list of those people. Number two, intercede for them before the Lord. Take them to the blessed sacrament. Pray for them by name and ask the Lord to give you his Holy Spirit, his divine insight to know how to approach them, how to have those conversations. And then take your own time to prep for the conversations using that CPR method above, maybe some of the verbal judo topics. Google the best ways to approach people with XYZ characteristic. You can find answers to those. And I think if you do those three things, you're going to find that these conversations, even if they don't feel good while you're having them, they're going to bear more fruit in the long run. So thank you for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you want to transform your parish through your work, the first step is always to start the conversation. And that could be as simple as texting this episode to your pastor or a friend in Catholic ministry, or you can set up a free consultation with us at catholicministryprofessionals.com. And of course, you can always send us your feedback and questions to catholicminpros at gmail.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.